For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 23rd, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning. Happy Saturday. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, here today with none other than Casey Smith and the one and only, I think he likes me to call him J-Penny or J-C-Penny or something like that, Jarrett McKenzie. Unbelievable, Troy. I come out of the bullpen. I hope you guys are out today. <laughs> we give him the old lefty and he, signal, and he shows up, and and then right. I make fun of him. Jay Money, back two weeks in a row. Jay Money. Two weeks in a row. We won't make that mistake again. J.C. Penny, Jay <laughs> Money. J.C. Penny. I, I mean, hey. pennies are money, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, whatever whatever uh, works for you, So Troy. I got it almost right. Almost. You All get right. there one day. Don't worry. Well, uh, both of these guys are uh, financial planners. They're, uh, they work as... Uh, uh, planners in our planning and implementation department. KC is a uh, CFP and also a managing associate within our group. Uh, right. Did I miss anything, KC? You got any other designations that I'm missing? Not that I'm aware of. You can, All right. You can slap another one on there if you like. But Oh, okay. So you're you're taking I'll take, orders? Yeah, I'll take whatever. Right. Would you like fries with that? Please. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And then uh, Jarrett is a CWS, a Certified Wealth Strategist and... A CFP as well, right? That's right. And I'm just Troy. And uh, <laughs> you've got a few uh, letters behind your name. yourself a short few. there. But uh, anyway, I, yeah. I uh, work down in uh, in the the bowels of the beast, the yeah. uh, research <laughs> department. Yeah, you like that? Casey? That was yeah, like that, that was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I uh, I look at stocks and bonds and. Uh, Economics and all that stuff all day, uh, helping our clients invest their money, um, which yeah, pretty much all of us do, right? Yeah, to, um, to some extent. Yeah, to some extent. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is a radio show wherein we answer financial questions. And uh, the first question is always, what's going on with the stock market? We did have a decline this week. So, Jared, I don't remember. You weren't on last week. but I I'm was. sure that if you I was on last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wasn't on last week. So That's right, because the All-Star team was on here, Troy. Oh, wow. I didn't wow. realize As your boy Nick would say, but this oh, is also the All-Star Nick team. The All-Star? Look, that was the was National League. This is the American League. Okay? I see. So we got a pinch hitter. Yeah. That's right. It's a lot or, of baseball the, analogies the going on today. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the. Hey, what the so we're coming up on the All Star break. Right? Uh, I'm getting he's excited off the here. Bench. Right. He's you know what I mean? An All Star. He's look. The All Star where the big hitters are, or excuse me, the American League where the big, big hitters. hitters are. Yeah, you look at it. Go look at the stats, man. Oh yeah. This year, lots of home runs. Yeah. It looks like the Yankees are about to set a single season record, most home oh, runs wow. by a team ever. How about the Bronx that? Bombers? Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but. 
you know, not a yeah, lot. Yeah, they're of, they're mopping it up in the in the American League. How about the Braves yeah. though, man? Don't oh, sell man. the Braves short. Yeah, yeah Braves really. have been looking good. Playing good, come out of nowhere. Yeah. I was yeah. not expecting that. This well, season. they had said that they'd have a better than average season. They figured them to to uh, finish the season better than 500, and hey, they're doing that for yeah. sure. Go ahead and uh, win the division, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Sure, they can do. Yeah. Hey, yeah. they're uh, they're in the lead right now. Uh, what is not in the lead? is uh, telecommunications year-to-date down 12.94%. Consumer staples down 10.6%. The overall market is up 2.73%. Still, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. But Is this the um, first time we've seen IT get surpassed? I don't know that I've seen it. Yeah, consumer discretionary. Well, think about what's in consumer discretionary and what's been working lately. There's two things. Go ahead, Jerry. What's in there that's been working? Yeah. You say? Yeah. Uh, One of them starts with Amazon. I was about to say, that's got to be. So I mean, is that considered consumer discretionary? It is, yeah. And the other one is, go ahead. Netflix. Netflix, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. And, uh, those two stocks have just been knocking the cover off the ball to continue with our baseball analogies. There you go. Uh, and, uh, you know, that it's not surprising that that's what we're seeing. Now, uh, you know, you could argue that either one of them do use technology in their business, but uh, they are officially Consumer discretionary stocks. So, that, so that both speaks, of those sectors, yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, are are crushing every other sector. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah information digits. technology yeah. Yeah, almost thirteen percent. Right. I mean, you would think that that's something. I don't know. It's just kind of surprising to me that, uh, given the volatility in the market, albeit, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean there's pessimism. Clearly, consumer confidence is going to be pretty high if Has consumer been. discretionary is leading, right? But Has been. Uh, with with where the market's been and and where things stand right now, I, I'm just kind of surprised, honestly, that that's up. That's the leader year to date as far well, as look, the sector. Look go. at what's at the bottom. You got telecom, and then you got right after that consumer staples. Yeah, yeah. which so is just we've as talked surprising. about it. We've talked about it before, but it's it's it seems to be. I guess a function of interest rates were going up, or at Part least the it. expectation that interest rates are going to go up. And yeah. I mean, yeah, but it, it actually is bigger than that. I, I read a story this week that was talking about some of these old cash cow consumer staples companies and how a lot of folks. I, I mean, even food has changed the way that people consume it, or, or what they consider as as uh, you know uh, healthy choices and, and those sorts of things. And a lot of folks are making the case that uh, these stodgy old companies are, are just not. Sticking with uh, the times, with the times, yeah. But I, you know, honestly, I'm not so sure that I totally agree with that. We see dividends in those stocks that are uh, some of them above five percent. We all know and have known for years that cigarettes are not uh, healthy. Mm. What? what? uh, Hang on, back up. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. We have a a news button on the. I know you guys. I know you guys. Breaking news. Smoking your menthols and think that they're health. They're a, they're a health choice, but uh, in reality, I mean, you see those kind of companies that are still getting beaten down. I, there's nobody telling consumers that these are healthy. They have been getting pressured from, uh, you know, various and sundry regulatory sources. I, I knew that the, the gig was up potentially when you saw France starting to, to uh, weigh in and um, reduce places where individuals could smoke cigarettes, but these companies are still generating cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, their dividends are well covered, um, and and they're really just out of favor. I think if you look really more at the growth, momentum in the growth stocks right now versus mm-hmm. momentum in 
value type stocks, which are going to be value is going to be described as those companies that pay a dividend that, uh, yeah. you know, the price looks relatively reasonable. There's not a lot of those intangibles that you have to kind of stretch your mind to, to uh, justify the, the value in the company. Uh, if you look at what's been going on there, there's about a 10% differential this year alone. And is it up those to 10 two sectors, well, look at those two sectors, 1306, 1297, uh, yeah. consumer discretionary and information technology, uh, respectively, and the overall market, 2.73. But yes, absolutely. You see, uh, you see um, the S&P 500 growth stocks are up approximately 10%, and uh, you've got... You've got uh, those staples that are uh, some even down. It, it just depends on which day you look at it. But, yeah, down as much as 1%. Well, that's somewhat of a reversal from what we've seen in, in years past, right? So especially coming out of the recession when you right. saw a lot of, of uh, flows to value-oriented companies, sure. dividend payers, I mean, for – for a number of reasons, not only the, the relative safety, I guess, but yeah. also low interest rates. Low interest rates. Yeah. Uh, and 2016, we saw the dividend-paying stocks up 21% when the overall market was up about 10. Exactly. Yeah, so, so if part of that's not a function of that exodus, I mean, it seems like you're right. They are still producing pretty solid earnings. And it is somewhat a reversal, but I really believe that uh, that it's more than that because if you look over a much longer period of time, you take it back to around I don't know, say 40, 50 years. And you can get a pretty good uh, indication as to how the two have have uh, gone through various business cycles together, but they stay relatively close to one another. Right now, if you look, it's one of the widest divergences we've seen where growth outperforms value since, want to guess when? Tech bubble. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the tech bubble, we saw a similar situation here. Now, look, I'm not telling you that the market has just lost its mind, and if you throw .com on the back of it, uh, it's going to go crazy. Last no, year we had a little – it really is. It, it is different than that. It's not just an absolute craze, but is it sustainable? I'm not so sure. Uh, part of the fact is, uh, you know, technology has become a bigger part of our lives. Uh, right now it's about 25% of the overall market. Uh, back in the mid-'90s it was about – 5% of the overall market. So, you know, more and more of those tech-based companies, even you could argue Amazon is a technology uh, solution to consumer discretionary, the way we spend our, our money in retail. Um, you know, so as we as we look at what's going on, it really is hard to exactly put your finger on on uh, why this divergence, but, hey, it's there. So is, it's a, is Amazon part of, I mean, I, I've always considered it IT, but I guess you, you were saying earlier yeah, kind no, of fits in that consumer, consumer discretionary. It is. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a retail store, yeah. basically, right. yeah, just it's online. A, but, right. Uh, but I think we'll start, we'll see that more and more as, as these technologies invade other sectors. Yeah, they're taking yeah, no market doubt. share. So well, what's sense. amazing to me is, and, you know, I've talked about this before, uh, Amazon makes mention that they're going to start offering pharmaceuticals online. It beats up those pharmaceutical companies in healthcare. Yeah. It beats up somebody like a CVS or a Walgreens. Uh, it doesn't really matter what Amazon floats as a notion as to how they're going to do business. I mean, I've seen stocks like Kroger, uh, UPS, all of these get beaten down because of, uh, you know, just the mere mention of something going on with Amazon. Well, guys, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll have a dog of the week. 
thank you for listening. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. Thing. Uh, some Vancouverites are uh, freaking out this week over a new product in the market. Um, Car Free Day uh, on Main Street brought out a, a group that um, was marketing a new product. Want to guess what it is? You'll never guess. We're talking Vancouver, Canada here? Well, I think it's officially Vancouver, no, Vancouver British Illinois. Columbia. Hey, you know, uh, it's I mean, not look, real close to Paulding County. You just said you don't want to be technical while okay, we're on the break. It's supposed to be fun. I'm just keeping it fundamental. Like you said, oh. we should. Yeah. What is it? Uh, British Columbia, then. Uh, all right. Is this? <laughs> you, you've totally derailed the business. I was about I know. to say. I know, How about but... some hot dog water? Now, ah. this sounds like something you would sell out in Paulding County. We do sell hot dog water. <laughs> hot dog water. You well. sell it? Yeah. Yeah? It's just like for drinking? Yeah, you know, yeah. multi use. Cool, a cool, thing. refreshing drink. Is it? Is it iced hot dog water? Of course. Like iced tea. Yeah, it's it's ninety five degrees. It's outside. like coffee. You can drink it iced. You yeah. can drink it hot. However you want. Uh, well, there's several things that uh, should be kind of a trigger to let you know that they're doing this tongue in cheek. They're trying to make a point. Obviously, uh, some of the points that they make is it uh, aids your body's ability to access calcium channel receptors in your heart. You think? Really? Hot dog water? Hot dog water, yeah. It increases the body's metabolic demand to help you burn weight quickly and efficiently. Now, burning weight. You ever seen the stuff that floats on top of the water <laughs> after you pull the hot dogs out of there? Yeah, not too good. Anyway, each of these bottles had a hot dog in the water. Um, guess the price. I mean, how much would you pay out in Paulding County for, for some, some hot dog water? Yeah, well, I mean, what do you? You how said many, they sell it. It's how many quarts are we talking here? <laughs> What's the exchange rate between Canadian dollars and, and U.S. dollars? Yeah. Well, this is all it's in British in Canadian dollars. <laughs> no, <laughs> see, now you're just being stupid. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I mean, probably. Loony. You know, yeah, this uh, is getting loonier by the minute. A gallon, you know, it's got to be seven dollars and ninety-nine. No way. For a, for a liter. For yeah. some hot dog water. For, yeah. You're going to have to translate that into uh, standard liter. currency or standard units. Jared can't do yeah. a liter. That's, That's metric. What, like about a third of a gallon, something like that. <laughs> it's it's actually so you're 6. telling me point six. I thought milk was expensive at $3 a gallon. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. Anyway, th- what they're trying to do is make you think about uh, the absurdity of the product that they're offering and encourage you to critically think about some of the product marketing and um, the significant role it can play in your purchasing of other goods. So so does it or does it not speed up my metabolism? <laughs> uh, Depends on whether or not you're eating the hot dogs. Yeah, you shouldn't. When you drink the water. It's, it's not like, I would assume that it's not like tequila where you're, I mean, you can or cannot yeah. eat the, the worm. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I I really don't think that any of this has health benefits. You, have you ever eaten a hot dog and said, man, I feel great? <laughs> Yesterday, actually. I mean, if you, were, <laughs> if you were real hungry, it <laughs> might solve that problem. I missed lunch, you know. I had to stop at the racetrack. All right, enough foolishness. Jared. 
<laughs> you the kill sad him. Part is that's a true story. I'm not even trying to had to stop at the Ross. You know, it, it was either pay forty eight dollars for an airline meal or you know, yeah, or stop. Or, or just stop. A, I had to roller, get gas. Some roller food. You know, it's they're good. What do you want me to say? Hey, I, they, uh, you will get you want to hear an argument from me? I, I've been known to eat a gas station hot dog. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, these days with the cost of days, cost though. of healthcare, man, I'm just trying to make sure I can get my meals in. Yeah, but aren't you actually going against your healthcare by eating things that aren't well for you? I mean, I know, you know it surprised you and probably excited you to know that hot dog water was going to really have all those health benefits. But look, I don't think my physical played much into the cost of our healthcare this time. Well, you know, the increase, the way it's going, I don't know, man. It's just. Yeah. I'm just in trying to enjoy life, you know. If it's a racetrack <laughs> hot dog that, that does and that, it. That brings you joy. <laughs> wow. Occasionally. You know, it All depends right. on the appetite, as I said. But, right. yes, moving on. Yeah, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's press on. So uh, we got a situation we wanted to talk about today, uh, maybe a little bit of legacy planning um, with a CRT. So, guys, educate me a little bit. That's a charitable remainder trust. Yes. That is. Very useful vehicles yeah yeah so uh, let it rip what's going on well so uh, you know a lot of times the best time to set one of these things up well there could be several reasons but uh, if you have a highly appreciated security um, you can put it into a charitable remainder trust and this could be it doesn't have to be just a publicly traded company you know it could be uh, your your closely held interest in a business s corp c corp whatever it is um, and you can put it in a in a trust that the remainder of that trust will is designed to go to charity, uh, and what that does for you is gets you a tax deduction, which is sort of a complicated calculation to figure out how much that deduction is going to be, um, but it does benefit you in the year that you move the asset into the trust, um, and you know if you have a, a business that you're thinking about selling. It's a good way to get it. If you put it in the trust before you sell it, then the, that trust doesn't incur any capital gains. So you could potentially save a great deal of money by putting it into putting your, your business in a charitable remainder trust. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot, a lot know, of very strong benefits. Absolutely. Something like that. Um, you know, the the most of them, a, a remainder trust, you can also do a charitable lead trust, which is, you know, a charitable remainder trust is where the remainder interest goes to the charity so you get the benefit of using the income for your lifetime and that could be calculated as either a, a crat a charitable remainder annuity trust or a crut charitable remainder uni trust um, which is just d- depends on the calculation of you know an, an annuity trust would be getting the same amount of income every year whereas a uni trust would be recalculated every year based on the value of the trust um, so that those are charitable remainder trusts a charitable lead trust is where the charity gets the income, but then your your heirs get the remainder. So a couple of different ways to set it up. The remainder, so what the asset's worth at your passing? At, yeah, at your passing, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, is these can be used in conjunction, and I just found this out. You can actually make the beneficiary of one of these trusts a donor-advised fund. Um, you know, last year, I think it was December, uh, Jennifer and Shauna here at at Hensler interviewed Sherry Martin from the Cobb Community Foundation right. uh, about uh, charitable remainder, or excuse me, uh, donor advised funds. And that, the Cobb Community Foundation is a uh, company that basically sponsors these donor advised funds. What it is is essentially 
most, if not all, of the benefits of a private foundation. Um, but you, so you can make the contribution to the fund and then direct the grants to various charitable organizations kind of as you want to. There's no requirement, you know, whereas a uh, foundation, you've got requirements that you have to distribute some percentage every year to charity, whereas a donor advised fund, there's no requirement to distribute each year. You can control the donations at your own pace. Um, and so, and that can change over time. You know, one year you may give to the Humane Society, the next year you may give to the American Cancer Society, whatever, just to make it, uh, you know, suit whatever your needs are, whatever you feel is the most worthy charity at the time. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. Using that in conjunction with the Charitable Remainder Trust, making the donor advised fund the beneficiary, allows your heirs or whoever becomes the trustee of the trust at your passing to direct that remainder interest in the charity if it's a remainder trust or the 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 income if it's a lead trust into um the donor advised fund and then you you know those trustees make the decisions about how to direct the donor advised fund so it gives you a lot more control and it doesn't tie you to a particular charity when you set up the trust, sure, um, which is is a pretty nice benefit, and it makes it. Uh, we're using those two things in conjunction can really have some some positive impact. Yeah, um, and so so why would someone want to do something like that? There's a number of of objectives, like you had said initially, and you know it goes beyond. I, th- I found that a lot of folks kind of were using this as an estate planning tool to. Uh, sort of get around an estate tax, which yep. people that are extremely well off, we, we, call, we would call ultra high net worth, may use it to reduce the size of their estate so they don't incur that estate tax, which is at 50% right now. This is also a tool that allows you to, in addition to uh, reduce the size of your estate, also develop an income stream. So it's, it's not uh, necessarily just about reducing the size of the estate, although that would be a benefit. You can also develop the income stream. You get the tax deduction, like KC said. You get some some legacy planning through being able to benefit a charity of your choice uh, upon your passing. And so, you know, it really works well for someone not only with, say, stock that is highly appreciated and they don't want to sell it during their lifetime and incur this big tax bill, but, you know, maybe if if they don't have any children and, and want to give to charity upon their passing or if they've already got other assets set aside for their children and also want to benefit a charity of their choice, these are really, really useful vehicles for accomplishing a number of things at the same time uh, that are going to go ahead and give you benefit while you're still alive instead of, say, you know, just having your will bequeath an asset to a charity upon sure. your passing. You know, you go, you get to go ahead and experience some of this uh, benefit that these these vehicles have to offer. So, uh, you know, a lot, lot of different benefits here, and uh, we can talk a little more about that when we come back, but I think uh, this point might be a good good time for a break there, Troy. So. Sure, why not? Let's take a break. When we get back, we'll answer some financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie. Tighten up your DJ skills. Oh man, I'm I'm working. Unless you skipped your gig this week, you hit the the fade 
button and the fade just doesn't occur. Hey, I'm doing the best I can over here. Well, it's just a warm-up for your gig tonight, right? My, the, my the Saturday my, night DJ, wedding DJ? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah, well. I got a, a mullet wig that I wear when I do that. It down is to awesome. the VFW line. <laughs> down, down to the VFW. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> well, I know you will. I think you will be there whether I'm there or not. <laughs> I'm uh, coming to see you, Troy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, uh, Jarrett and Casey are both financial planners in our financial planning department, our planning and implementation department at Hensler Financial. Uh, if you would like to have your questions answered on the air, you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Uh, leave a message. We'll play it back on the air and uh, answer your questions on the air live. Uh, if uh, you have a question you'd like to pose to a human being, well, you can reach us at 770-429-9166. Uh, call in, tell them you have a question for the radio, and uh, we will uh, definitely get to that as well. Uh, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. If you want to answer your own questions, we have plenty of those posted uh, resources that you can uh, tap into at hensler.com, spelled again the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. So, guys, we uh, have a question from our good friend David who asks, uh, says, uh, that was a nice bit of info last week on the HSAs. One question I have and, uh, is, uh, which money to use when you have health care expenses? Uh, let's assume you have enough current income to pay for your family health care expenses without tapping into your HSA money. Is it better to use the money you have put tax-free into the H HSA, or is it to be, uh, better to pay cash and let the HSA money grow? Well, David, I'm really glad you asked that question, man, because that's something you're right. We didn't get to touch on last week, but is a really uh, important consideration when when considering these HSAs because, you know, you, you do have that dilemma, I guess you could call it, in, in mm -hmm. trying to figure out, you know, where, where are these dollars best used? And quite frankly, uh, you make a, a good point in that those dollars, I think, if they're invested – appropriately and you can continue leveraging them throughout your lifetime so that maybe then uh, when you're in retirement and, and are more likely to have health issues, uh, then maybe you've got more dollars there to address those issues because you've let them continue to grow uh, tax-free, essentially, assuming that you're going to use them for qualified health care expenses uh, and, and have that income to cover uh, your expenses early on. It's kind of like retirement dollars, right? I mean, the longer you can keep them in those accounts, the better. Exactly. And while that may not be the primary objective, if you do have a high enough income or sufficient enough income uh, to cover health care costs early on and let these grow, then I certainly think there's a case to be made for uh, using these, you know, in retirement instead of now. Yeah, and the, the nice thing about an HSA is that... But let's let's flesh out what is exactly an HSA. It's health savings Health account, savings right? account, yeah. So, and Jarrett talked about it a little bit last week, and uh, there's a video on our website. If you go to www.hensler.com, Jarrett's got a nice little video with his, his melon on there talking about HSAs. <laughs> and if you go and watch it, you just remember it. I've, the face is for radio, not the video. You got, <laughs> got me on there. Our, our, our makeup girl was out of town that week, and, yeah. you know, I got the glare. But, hey, 
yeah. You gotta, we got to get this info out to the public, do. man, and we'll make yeah. sure they got their, their education. It's essentially a vehicle that's, that you can use for medical expenses if you're in a high-deductible health plan, and, and there's a lot of details that go into and That is important what, to know. It yeah. has to be associated with a high-deductible Correct, correct. Um, but assuming if you do have access to an HSA, it is a fantastic vehicle really because it is – uh, it's essentially, if you're going to use it for medical expenses, it's it's like a Roth IRA, but you still get a tax deduction for it. So it's even better than a Roth IRA because yeah. you don't get a deduction for, for contributions. You've essentially Roth. got tax-free dollars if you're going to use them for qualified health care expenses. Now, not if you if you do hold them to retirement and start to withdraw them after age 65, which you can then do without penalty, you know, there, there would be then uh, – you know, there, there's going to be some tax, I assume. Yeah, it would point. be just ordinary income, just like a regular IRA. So right. at that point, it's just a regular IRA, even if you use it for for non-medical expenses. It, it has to be after age 65 rather than 59 and a half to avoid penalty, and the penalty is 20% versus 10%, yeah. so there are some wow. differences there. Um, but that's a good point, though. I've never thought about it like that. It really is kind of a, a Roth IRA that's designated for health care because yeah. you do get the deferral, but then you, you've got these tax-free dollars to address health care issues that, you know, again, that's really why we, we started the topic in the first place, David. And, you know, I'm glad you, you've had us elaborate on this because there is a, this triple tax benefit there with these accounts where you, you get the tax deferral going in, you get the tax deferred or tax exempt growth, tax free right, growth throughout yeah, it. Assets can continue to grow and you don't, yeah. you don't have to deal with Yeah, the, and you leverage those, right? I mean, they're, they're, to his point, there's more dollars there potentially down the road that you can then use towards uh, these qualified health expenses, which they're pretty flexible with. I was kind of surprised in looking at all the things that would they are qualify. Very flexible. Uh, but then, you know, at the end of the day, too, if you pull them out for those qualified health care expenses, then that's a third tax benefit you're achieving in having these. And so, uh, look, regardless of how they're used, I think they're great vehicles. But I can understand why uh, there's been this dilemma, David, uh, with you and your father, because it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, there's there's room for debate on both ends, but I tend to lean in your direction where I think holding them long term might just benefit you more potentially. Well, and here's one more one more benefit to an HSA that a lot of people don't realize is that there's no time limit to when you can incur those medical expenses and use your HSA funds to pay for it. Uh, this was spelled out in an IRS ruling, I think, I want to say 2004. Um, I might be wrong on that, but the the benefit is if if you have incurred let's say you in, incur a $10,000 medical expense this year but you've got enough cash flow to cover it so you just pay it out of pocket uh and then sock away the money in your HSA allow that to continue to grow tax deferred and then 10 years from now you need to you know you, you want to make a renovation to your house and you don't you don't really have the cash flow for it you can take the money out of your HSA and as long as you saved your receipt for that $10,000 expense that you incurred this year then you you can use the HSA money to pay for non-medical expenses in in a future year as long as you are backing that up and keeping good records. Um, so that that is really a an often overlooked benefit, but it's something that is important. You can kind of control your cash flow better, give you a little more flexibility, and use tax-free dollars to pay for something in a year that you need the cash. Yeah, 
I think regardless of, of how you end up using it, be it early on or uh, waiting until retirement, if you have access to one of these vehicles, which you very well could, because after, as we discussed on last week's show, you don't necessarily have to access these plans through your employer. There are companies that offer them, banks that offer them, uh, and, and you could possibly have access to one that you're not aware of. So uh, if you do or if you can get access to one of these uh, it's it's certainly worthwhile if you're going to be able to fund them because it's just another way of getting a tax benefit and saving for expenses that you're certainly going to need, be it through uh, health care expenses or potentially in retirement down the road. So hopefully that uh, addresses it all, David. And if you've got anything else, just give us a call. We'll be glad to uh, clarify or elaborate as we need to. And that number, again, is 770-429-9166. You can uh, call and ask for either Jarrett McKenzie or Casey Smith and uh, – Get your answers directly from those guys. All right, uh, so we've got another question, uh, and uh, this one comes from Spencer, who's in Atlanta. says, do you think GE should sell its stake in Baker Hughes? You know what? GE has been in the news way too much lately, uh, significant losses over the last year, and the stock price uh, just this week, GE was bounced out of the Dow Industrial Average. Uh, it's a price-weighted index of uh, 30 companies, uh, that are basically non-transportation related, although GE does have some transport uh, in its locomotive business. But um, all things considered, uh, should should the question is, should GE sell Baker Hughes? Now, they're trying to push off quite a few assets, and I'll be honest with you, uh, with everything that's going on with the price of oil and uh, oil-related businesses, uh, they seem to be undervalued right now, and it was part of the reason that uh, I'm sure that they decided that they would make the purchase. Uh, part of what you're seeing in GE, and uh, Jarrett, we talked about this off the air. How long again have they been on the Dow? 111 years. Yep. 111 years. It's a heck of a streak to break. Yeah, I mean, this was Thomas Edison's yeah. offshoot, right? The the industrial side of the business that uh, that he created. Well, and you yeah. made a good point. I mean, that that's really where it all began, right? That's their core business, or at least it has been, yeah. sort of historically speaking. Granted, these days they're in a number of different businesses, but hey. I mean, that's the case for Baker Hughes, I think, which is, I assume, based on what you just said, an, an oil-related affiliate. Yeah, services company, oil services. Yeah. And and uh, to me, it just doesn't seem wise that you would follow up a bad decision with a second bad decision. They've got companies within the company, within GE, that they're actually trying to uh, spin off their transportation business, the locomotive business, uh, also appliances, which, uh, you know, aren't a, a very – Profitable, hugely profitable business, and then believe it or not, I mean back to its roots, lighting. Uh, so there, there are uh, suitors who have talked about potentially buying off these uh, portions of the business, uh, and I really believe that it would be wise for GE to pursue those more so than trying to get rid of some of the, uh, you know, the stock-related that's liquid. Uh, I agree. You listening to Money Talk? Stick around. We'll be right back. Listening to Money Talks, I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie, J Money as he prefers to be called, um, J Penny as I prefer to call him. Now we're getting somewhere. 
Yeah, okay. So Troy, before we go any further, I just got to commend you on your exit music from that last segment. Oh, was it that good? You like that? Was a nice choice. I mean, I, ain't I didn't even life know. Grand. Ain't life grand? A no widespread panic. Yeah, sure. A local band out of Athens, Georgia. Maybe, maybe you've heard of them. Yeah, it's good. Athens, Georgia. I've heard of Athens, Georgia. Do they yeah. still tour? They got a school over oh, there. Oh yeah, or they something, tour. Right? There's a, yeah, there's a little little trade school over there. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. I thought there might be. Go dogs. All right, uh, we've got plenty of other questions. If you have questions of your own, feel free to send them to us. We'd love to answer them on the air, 770-429-9166, or you can call our hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Leave your message, leave your question. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Go to our website under the same name, Hensler.com, as well to find answers to your uh, probably more run-of-the-mill questions. Um, If you have something specific, it's probably going to be best if you try to contact us. Uh, So, guys, we've got another question here from Jeff, who's in Sandy Springs, says, I've I've uh, been told I should look into mature tech stocks that pay dividends. I always thought tech stocks were growth engines. I'm a young investor. Do I even need these? Uh, some of the names he throws out, Hewlett Packard, Texas Instruments, IBM, uh, all of which do pay a dividend. Uh, so I, I guess it's probably going to be best here to stop and talk about what you're looking for uh, in in a uh, portfolio if you're a young investor, most most young investors uh, have the ability because of their time horizon to take a little more risk, and uh, you know you would look into those tech stocks that are not paying a dividend, right? Some that uh, that have growth that uh, growth in earnings or potential growth in earnings that that actually are going to outstrip the overall market. Um, so uh, the theory is that management, as long as it can make you more money. By investing your equity internally with uh, the projects that the business has going on, they're actually better to keep the keep the money and not pay a dividend out, right? Yeah. Well, so, they have that responsibility as the fiduciary to return as much to the shareholders as possible, right? Now, whether you do that through right. a dividend or by, like you said, Troy, reinvesting it in the company, it's going to be whatever they think is is going to accomplish that goal better. And uh, well, we've seen a trend recently of uh, rather than paying dividends, they've been a lot of stock buybacks, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is a little bit less committal <laughs> from the company. Well, rather yeah, than, than it's, it's kind of cheating, if you will. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, we would prefer, I would think, to see the companies take that, take those profits and reinvest it back into projects that they feel like are going to be profitable yeah, because that doesn't necessarily create value, right? I mean, you're you're basically just taking some of those shares off the market, which then makes the shares that are still outstanding worth more because right. they're not as diluted. But yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think not uh, not creating value with those same dollars you would think would create more value. But I mean, look, the stock buybacks tend to treat <laughs> the stocks very well, right? I mean, that's typically have, viewed yeah. as a good thing. They have. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, the biggest problem that I have with that is the fact that it's. Uh, 
it's hard to make the case that you're seeing true economic growth when you see that yep. as a widespread practice. Right. Uh, the thing that you can do if you just wanted to see kind of the sustainable growth in the companies that you invest in, you can take the inverse of the dividend payout ratio, which means one minus the dividend payout ratio, and multiply that by the return on equity uh, of the company, which is what? Net income divided by uh, the equity in the business, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, what are you a financial analyst? Or I am a financial I analyst. A word and you, you, just get, said. you get the sustainable Chartered financial analyst. You get the sustainable growth rate of the business. Yeah. So it's a little bit of mental gymnastics. You think about uh, kind of the five-year earnings growth. Hewlett Packard Enterprises. There is no identifiable growth. The long-term right. growth is expected to be negative four percent. So earnings are expected to fall by four percent over the. Uh, you know, the coming three to five years. Um, if you look at uh, the dividend they pay right now, 2.9% yield. It's grown by 33.9% over the past year. It uh, doesn't have a five-year history of dividends. Um, you know, otherwise, it's a, it's a decent company. Mm-hmm. It's just really not what I would consider a growth engine. Uh, you look at uh, Texas Instruments, which was also on his list, uh, earnings growth five years, past five years, 17.3%, expected to grow going forward at about 10.5%. Um, again, you look at that, and the dividend is uh, 2.2%. Nothing, you know, it's not breaking any records. Uh, and then, you know, the, the dividend growth, about 22% over the past five years. Uh, you get down to IBM, which has been anything but a growth story for a long time. Five-year earnings growth, negative 3.68%. Analysts expect the earnings to grow a little less than 2% over the next uh, three to five years. Uh, these, to me, other than Texas Instruments, you could probably make the case that it's still kind of a growth stock. And, uh, you know, we, cro- we talked about the divergence between growth and value companies. Mm-hmm. Value companies tend to pay this dividend Growth companies tend not to pay dividends. Uh, that in itself could probably give you the, the answer to the question. Now, I, I will say that if you're looking for a diversified dividend-paying portfolio uh, for whatever purpose, uh, they tend to have uh, a lower beta, lower volatility in price in the overall portfolio. Uh, if you wanted to put together a diversified portfolio, sometimes it gets difficult to find tech stocks that you can include in that portfolio. Mm-hmm. These are three decent choices. Uh, the coverage yeah. on the dividend is well better than one, meaning that their earnings are still covering uh, the dividends that they're paying out. For that purpose, probably a great option. Well, for a young person looking for growth, maybe yeah. not so much. Well, I, don't, I think, Jeff, you, you should you know, not lose sight of the fact that the dividend, and a lot of people do, trust me, I've, I've talked to them that – the dividend is actually still a function of the return, right? Absolutely, I mean, it, yeah. It, it may not necessarily give you the growth that you're looking for or have the growth potential, but that is a function of that overall return, so you should still see that. And to Troy's point, that may help you protect against some of your, your more risky growth plays that you have sure. in your portfolio, and some of these might be good to, while, it, while they do give you some aspect of growth, you've also got this dividend, and it sounds like a sustainable dividend that can yeah. sort of uh, hold things a little more steady for you. Right, yeah, even in in a downturn, then you have a positive cash flow coming from your portfolio as long as that dividend yeah. is safe. Absolutely. And, and that's always, if you're buying a stock for a dividend, always make sure of how it's being paid and how well it, the, the payout is being covered. 
Absolutely. Right. All right. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left here. Guys, let's uh, look at this question from Paul from Kennesaw right here in our own backyard. Uh, can I undo my Roth IRA conversion in 2018? Simple question. What you got? No. Simple answer. <laughs> well, that's no. not exactly true. No, that's right. not. I mean, it is part of the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed, eliminated the option to recharacterize your Roth conversions, which basically undoes, undoes your your conversion. Undoes? Undoes. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Save that. Yeah. Oh, we got it. So <laughs> now the the exception, I guess, would be if you made a conversion in 2017 that you still wanted to recharacterize in 2018, you would have you you would have either had to have filed an extension. You would be able to do that up until October 15th, I believe, yeah. to still recharacterize. So you could undo something you did last year, but beyond that. Beyond that, it's not going to be an option. Right. Now, if, if you've already filed your two, 2017 taxes, can you amend? You can, mm-hmm. you can go back it, and amend okay. uh, and then. And unravel what unravel. you did only if it was in 2017. Right? Calendar yeah. year 2017. But, but do not move forward counting on something like this because while there were a number of reasons in the past why people may have done that, I mean, we've seen it. We've had cases before where someone took their required minimum distribution before uh, they they did the conversion, and you have to actually, or excuse me, after they did the conversion, and so they had to go back and do that before, uh, which is the reason they had to recharacterize. Sometimes there's fluctuations in the market. People want to go back and take advantage of those fluctuations, so they recharacterize. There were a number of different uh, reasons you might have done it in the past, but maybe that is, not being forced to take your uh, distribution. Like yeah. you wouldn't afford regular 401k or IRA, a traditional exactly. IRA. So when you're ready, I mean, some people did it because they didn't understand the implications of doing the conversion and, you know, got themselves in a bad position and wanted to recharacterize, but no longer. Basically, do it for 17 or don't do it at all. You're done. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, stock up or down? Going up. All right. I'm, I'm up, too. Me, too. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.